Hello, this is Greg, host of Super NES Podcast. I'm sticking this short audio note in the beginning of the podcast just to let you know that for the first time, we were able to get some feedback on the game we're actually covering uh, in this week's podcast, uh, which is Street Fighter 2. So please stay tuned to the end of the podcast to hear an audio submission and also some uh, written feedback that people have sent in with their uh, history and thoughts and experiences on playing, on playing, Street, on, on playing Street Fighter 2. So please stay tuned to the end of the podcast about that. Uh, the, 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 the stuff came in after the podcast because we actually recorded this about a week ago. So that's why I'm just kind of shoehorning this in. So again, hope you enjoy the podcast and please stay tuned for the end for some feedback. Hey, this is Aaron. And this is Paul. And we are from the Retro Obscura podcast. And you're listening to the Super NES podcast, the SNES podcast, the SNES podcast, and whatever acronym you would like to butcher like I just did. <laughs> so awesome. Keep listening to the SNES podcast. Welcome to Super NES Podcast. This is episode number 21. Uh, we're going to be talking about the classic fighting game from Capcom, Street Fighter 2, uh, which is a port of the arcade game developed and released by Capcom for the Super Nintendo in, back in 1992. Uh, this is your regular host, Greg, and I'm pleased once again to have another guest host with me after several weeks of absence, like I'm not being able to have one. Um, so I'm very pleased to introduce to the podcast, uh, like for this episode, um, maybe count me out with the correct pronunciation, like your name, sir. Maybe. Yes, my name is Alessandro, um, and Greg, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. Same here. Uh, like I said, like I said off mic, I'm definitely excited for the chance, the chance, not only for the chance to talk to somebody, not only from Australia, um, but also 
it's like it would also hear the perspective of somebody from outside North America as far as Super NES goes because uh, I've been tracking the downloads and obviously most of the, uh, most of the downloads of the podcast have been coming from uh, the United States uh, with a fair number of downloads coming from countries like uh, Canada, Britain, Germany, but uh, not too many people from your country. So uh, I'm definitely, like, definitely very interested uh, in hearing your experiences and history of the system. And I think, yeah. uh, and I'm hoping everybody else out there, like out there too, is the same way. Um, and we can entice those people who are not really into fighting games to listen to the podcast because of that. So definitely, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I hope I can, I hope I can entice more Australians to check this show out. I, <laughs> um, you know, for me, when I found this, I was very excited because uh, you know the Super Nintendo was such a very, it was such a great system, obviously. Mm. Um, and I know a lot of fans of the console who still play it today. Mm. Um, so this is something that could definitely grow on, and I'm glad to be here once again. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. Same yeah. here. Yeah. Um, so let's start with a couple of basic questions then. Like a, 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 yeah, sure. Um, um, uh, so how old are you, and what do you remember as being your first day, uh, like being your first video game uh, console experience? Okay, so I'm 30 years old. Um, okay. So I, I, and you know, my first console was the NES. Uh, you know, I've got very fond memories of it, even though I was quite young. Um, I just remember uh, I got it for Christmas, and um, it blew my mind because I got it later on in the system. I actually got it around uh, 1990, 91. So okay. All right. <laughs> just about as soon as it was about to be released. Um, so I was a, you know, a late adopter and I got the Super Mario and, and Duck Hunt pack with the light gun. Um, but I don't have a lot of memories playing it apart from playing Super Mario Brothers. So that would, I would consider that to be my first game I ever played. I never touched the Atari. Um, I know my sister had a Commodore 64, but again, I just don't remember even touching those um, platforms. But yeah, uh, you know, being, being young and, and that got me into gaming, but I didn't really find my love for games until the Super Nintendo, definitely. Yeah, it's curious you mentioned Super Mario Brothers because yeah, because, yeah, because this is something I was going to bring up later on the podcast. But you know, uh, as I'm sure that you're painfully aware, one of the drawbacks of living uh, like living outside of North America and Japan, uh, like until recently, is that you know games and consoles get delayed by several months to a year yes, if they come yes. out at all uh, yeah. uh, uh, down down there. So um, at least here, at least here in the states, by late '90, Super Mario Brothers Three was being packed in with the like, yeah. yes. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I can relate. Like, it's easier now to be more upset because internet, there's a lot more exposure to when things are getting released. And like you said, it's a lot better today. Like, mm-hmm. generally, major releases are global releases. But back then, we really only had magazines to kind of show you what was happening um, or, or, or movies or things like that, that, you know. But I remember watching The Wizard and seeing Super Mario Brothers 3, and I hadn't even <laughs> seen that. I haven't even seen that game. You know, I even know there was Mario Brothers 2 at the time. You know, I was quite young, and, I, you know, Super Mario Brothers was just a, a character for me at the time. Um, but you're right, you know, later on, which I'll get to regarding the power release of the Super Nintendo, we didn't get it till mid-1992. Um, mid right. right. Uh, um, and my first exposure to the Super NES, actually, if you, if you don't mind if I get into this story, was actually nope. from a Japanese, a Japanese friend of mine. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so he he invited me over to his house, and this is primary school days, um, and I, I just got a NES, to be honest, at the time. And he's got a Super Famicom, and he's mm. showing me Street Fighter 2, uh, Super Mario World, and I actually think he had a, a Mario Kart as well, Super Mario Kart. So hmm. um, that was my first introduction to the Super Nintendo without even knowing it was out. Um, but that was yeah, it was quite funny. Yeah, definitely yeah. because like I know, uh, yeah, because I know from looking at pictures and whatnot that you guys in Powerland pretty much got the same console as the Japanese yeah. did as far as its looks and shape and everything, which I think it looked definitely. much cooler than the version we got here in the states. 
Um, yeah, see, I, I, I heard a couple of your past podcasts, and I know you're not a fan of the the Super Nintendo model or the North American model, but I look at it as it's quite unique. It's quite blocky, and and you know, and I think the design choice was more for American audiences, I guess, because at the time, you know, aesthetically. Uh, blocky items were the were the trend with a lot of um, you know uh, a lot of uh, electronics back then. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Uh, but I will say I think though that I think we got the better controller because I, I'm not a fan of those the uh, bright kid colors that, the, <laughs> uh, that are on the yes. power the power yes. controllers. I would, and, I would have to agree with you on that definitely. Like and also like and also correct me if I'm wrong. The buttons on your controller are like are like are shaped outward as opposed to the inward shape that the that, yes, the, yeah. that the that the that the NTSC models have. Yes, I, I actually haven't touched an uh, SD. I've obviously seen one, but mm. um, in terms of like the feel of it, I would say that yeah, you're right. It's an outward feel. Um, but as we know, the Super Nintendo controller is such a it's such a well designed um, controller for the system because mm-hmm. it's light and it's curved. And I still love it more than anything uh, else in terms of controllers in the business. So yes, definitely. Yeah. Uh, so I was going to actually bring this up later, but it's a nice segue. Um, yeah. Your experience with consoles, like with consoles, is just totally pow, right? You've never touched anything yeah. that's NTSC. Yeah, and it, it's a shame because um, running at 50 hertz uh, is is a different experience than mm. 60 hertz. So you you actually get, and that's the one difference from the Japanese model to the power models in the UK and in Australia is that um, I just remember uh, the screen would always have like a, a black um, border. Mm-hmm. And the system ran a little bit slower than the American release. So if you know, even if we had imported carts, I remember people were getting imported uh, carts, and they had the converter for their system. Mm. Uh, the games would run slower uh, because of the 50 hertz. So that was a that was a shame. And obviously at the time you don't know that, but you know, looking into it now, mm. you can't see there's limitations with that. Yeah, uh, I actually remember selling a copy of. I sent a copy of Super Mario RPG to somebody from Australia uh, via mm. Amazon around uh, 2002, I think. And mm, so yeah. I was a bit surprised where the sale came from. So I asked the guy, are you sure that you want this because this is NTSC? He's like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. Like, I prefer the, I'm, you know, like, you know, like, you know, I'm a diehard video gamer and I just prefer NTSC formats. So yeah. um, uh, the exchange rate was also better uh uh, back then between the dollars but <laughs> yeah um, it is and you know like today it's amazing don't you find it's amazing how um the pricing for the super nintendo on ebay and everything it's so inflated like mm-hmm. it's such an expensive investment oh yeah the super NES is, games. yeah the super yeah. nes is pricing definitely the bubble like right now which i've um like i mentioned before in the podcast so yeah definitely um but yeah like I, i've just my love for super nintendo has, has been re um you know renewed recently um, again, my interest comes from just not just your podcast. You know, I've been looking. I've just had a bit of a, you know, sometimes you get demotivated with some of the latest games and mm-hmm. kind of need some inspiration again and why I fell in love with games. And I went back to my love for the Super Nintendo and the games that were released, and that's why um, I'm revisiting it. So I'm actually looking at investing in uh, a console because I just find that playing on the virtual console on the Wii U and even with ROMs, uh, even though I've, I've got a Super Nintendo controller like you, uh, I'm a USB connector. Mm-hmm. I find it's not the same. I just find it's not the same. There's something about it that there's a feel of it when you play it on the console itself. Um, and I'm looking at investing in a console later on. Um, and I'm not going to be a collector. I'm not going to be a collector. I just want to play some of my favorites and, and just have them there available for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. Um, so you said you got your Super NES uh, sometime late, like 92? Yeah, yeah. So... I, I was trying to I was trying to think back when I got it and I actually got it a bit later. It came out in Australia 
mid-1992. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had the, the usual launch lineup, I think very similar to the North American lineup. Um, and in 93, um, we got the Zellers um, and a couple other big titles. But I remember at the time, I didn't have a significant until later. And God bless my mother. She was a single mom. We didn't have a lot of money, so she couldn't get me the latest gear at the time. And, and with the Super Nintendo, I generally hired it out at the video store a lot. So mm-hmm. to your experiences with you know the video store it was a very very big part of my culture uh, <laughs> at the time, but also with the the Sega um, Genesis, which was called the Mega Drive here, in, in right. more notably, yeah. um, that was a very popular system. My friends, even when um, Super Nintendo was was booming, my friends generally stuck to the Mega Drive. Um, and as we'll get to as a competitor, Mortal Kombat was such a big seller for that um, console. Mm-hmm. afterwards because of the whole blood thing and that was a big deal mm-hmm. you know, right i didn't have the gore and i just remember everyone just having a genesis and a mega driver and, and playing that um but I, I i even to this day i look back and i always had a soft spot for the super nintendo and the art style uh, of the 16-bit um mm-hmm. sprites that it had like games like super mario world still to this day i look at that and i'm in love with it mm-hmm. you know and i just remember the mega drive never really gave me that feeling um, so yeah, kids were loving the Genesis. Super Nintendo wasn't as popular, um, and I didn't get I didn't actually get a Super Nintendo until around 1995. So again, late adopter. And I missed out on a lot of the classic games. You know, like I didn't get to play Super Castlevania 4 until a lot later. Mm. Okay. Um, but Street Fighter 2 is my earliest memory of the console. Mm. I remember because. Oh man, I, I spent so much money um, at my corner store. They they had a Street Fighter 2 machine, <laughs> and you've got to remember too. You put things in perspective. It was everything's about timing, right? I remember uh, movies like um, Three Ninjas, the young kids that you know um, that martial arts was such a big trend for kids at the time. Ninja right. Turtle, and yep. we were all about fighting. Like, it was just timing. And Street Fighter 2 came out, and it was really the first exposure for the casual gamer of this really um, good fighting game. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. And when, it, and when I was in the corner stores, I remember kids would line up putting their dollars in. And then seeing that on a console, especially not knowing the differences, you just looked at it as a pure port and mm-hmm. it was just amazing. It just blew everyone's minds. And that's and I'm sure we'll get to it being a system cell. I think that was the first indication that Super Nintendo was the real deal at the time. Right, definitely. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, uh, great points that you brought up there. Uh, Right, I was going to ask you. So, like, your experience, so your experience was at the Super NES, never sold as well as like the Mega Drive, Flight and Destroyer. What, what was that? Sorry, uh, I didn't get that last question. Sorry, I'm great. No, that's okay. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So, so like, so going on something that you said earlier. Uh, yeah. Like, but in your experience, the Super Nintendo never, never was quite as popular as, as like the Mega yeah, Drive. Yeah. Like, I mean, I knew I knew friends that had it, but the conversations at school were very based on Sega. Sega was just it's a shame because hey, I'm, I'm a big fanboy of Nintendo and I was always was even at the time. But um, I remember, yeah, my friends were playing, they were playing Sonic, they were playing Mortal Kombat. Um, but yeah, it was definitely the, the more popular console. Over its lifetime though, you know, obviously Super Nintendo um, got more popular. But yeah, kids were all into Well, that left for Sega goes back to the previous generation too because I think the Master the master System sold a lot better than the NES like Destroyer did. So Yes, uh, yes, that's, that's, that's a very good point, definitely. Um but uh, yeah, definitely. Um, so, like, do you play any modern games or modern consoles as well? Yeah. Or? Yeah. So I'm um, I'm I'm quite busy, but I'm very definitely heavy into the gaming space today. I own all the next gen consoles uh, mm-hmm. from Xbox One, PS4. I even got a Wii U oh, uh, that okay. I generally play a lot. Um, but you know, recently 
even with some great games coming out, I've just been playing my Super NES where I'm just like, <laughs> I'm just in love with the console again, you know, and I'm, I'm, even though there's some great things happening in the space at the moment, I just think the next gen consoles are really just finding their feet and we haven't really seen that next gen step. I mean, I, not to digress, but you know, Witcher 3 just got released and I've heard some great things about that being that next step forward, but nothing's really inspiring me. So that's yeah. why I'm today and, and just, I want to show love for this console that I believe is still, um, still holds up. It's got a very Thomas feel. Um, and that 16-bit uh, sprite uh, art style, especially with the game we're about to talk about today, is just beautiful. Um, yes. And I show appreciation for it. Yes, definitely. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, like, yeah. you know, like 8 and 16-bit graphics like, are all the rage right now for, like, entry uh, entry level projects and indie, like, indie, but yes. like, mainly things and Kickstarters and that kind of stuff. So, um, but can I ask, Greg, how do you feel about that? Like, how do you feel when you see great games done well, like Shovel Knight? That's obviously a mark to the 8-bit era. Um, how do you feel about them taking, you know, what was great in the past and redesigning it for systems today? Oh, I think it's awesome because, like, I think there's always something that could be taken taken from the past that was great and improved upon. Uh, there's always room for improvement. I mean, like, you know, there are there are many old classic games I love that I'd love to see enhanced or tweaked in some way, uh, either because the AI was lacking or because the music could have been done better or whatnot. Yes. So I think, yeah, like, definitely. I just yeah. see this as an evolution of, an evolution of of like these classic uh, art styles that still look very good today and just simply and just simply and just simply enhancing enhancing them for, for for modern systems like modern gamers uh so like so, you know like so this is a drum i beat very heavily in the past but you know as much as i i know for, as much as i'm an advocate of the uh of modern gamers playing retro systems and retro retro games like super nes I, I, mm. uh, uh vice versa also applies I, I i'm always i'm always a big advocate of like a like retro fans uh, checking out some modern games because I guarantee you that there's going to be something out there like they're going to enjoy. Um, yeah. And Shovel Knight's a great example of that, I think. So yes, um, definitely. I mean, it, it's a it's a it's a definitely a big throwback, um, but especially when it's done well. But I just still find that a lot of the remakes that happening, even um, even these indie startups like Shovel Knight and some and Axiom Verge. I don't know if you've heard of Axiom Verge, but it's pretty much a Super Metroid clone. And, and right. I don't know how I feel about that. You know, I hope Nintendo is looking at the popularity of these games, and saying, you know what, that Super Net, uh, Super Metro, for example, that that style of um, Metro Metroidvania style of game can still have a market. You know, it doesn't need a multi-million dollar budget put together. There's a market out there because these these designers are getting sick and tired of actually what's happening modern time. They're going back and making the games they want to make, yeah. and they're selling very well. And you look at, you know, especially Sony, uh, the PlayStation space. They're really taking advantage of that, you know. They're they're signing up these deals and getting these games to happen. So, I just hope that, you know, especially a company like Nintendo, and we obviously the Super Nintendo had a lot of great games, and and we know that platformers were such a big deal for that time. The platformers are, you know, they, they, there is a market still for them. People want to play a good platformer, and I, I just want to hopefully uh, see it happen on a um, on a triple A level, not just indies. That's sure. What I'm playing. Sure, yeah. definitely. Yeah. So yeah, uh, speaking about like you know great games, uh, that's a great segue because like yeah. you know, um, Street Fighter Two was definitely no was definitely no doubt about it uh, the killer app like the Super NES because um, uh, because this game came out here in the states, I know of numerous people who bought a system to uh, just for this game. It was that popular because um, the Super NES here in the states came out in mid '91 and Genesis had a, the Genesis had a two year lead on it. Yes. Um, and Sonic the Hedgehog came out about the same time Super NES did. So Flex like, Genesis was very well established. And even though Super NES had some great games that came out for it at the first 
31st year of its life, uh, so just like some old classics, they were games that you so they were games that, that you'd buy if you already had a system, not something that you'd go out and buy a system specifically for. So, and Street Fighter 2 was really was really the game that changed that, and that's backed up by sales numbers because um, because in the because in the lifetime of the game being sold, there were 6.3 million units of the game sold worldwide, uh, which makes it the fourth biggest Super NES uh, game title in history. And if you take away the pack-ins, Super Mario World, Donkey Kong Country, and, and Super Mario Kart, it was the biggest standalone game. So, yeah. uh, and uh, and uh, and, uh, and uh, just to clarify this, for, like listeners, like real quick, we're, I'm talking specifically here about the first game. Most of our most of our talks, most of our discussion in this podcast is, is going to be in the first game, uh, which is called the World Warrior. Uh, but we will mention the others, the, the other Street Fighter Two games uh, later on in the podcast. Um, but yeah, this was Street Fighter Two. Was I cannot I, I I simply cannot I simply cannot understand uh, I simply cannot like uh, understate how big of an impact this game had in the arcades when it came out in like, like 91. I mean, this is one of the games that definitely helped to give the arcade industry, which had been dying up to that point, a shot in the arm and really helped revitalize it. And even though, like, even though a lot of people complain about how it led to this huge rash of fighting of fighting clones, uh, the time it came out, the game was very unique and it was something that nobody had really seen before. I, I mean, I definitely remember I definitely remember wanting to go to the arcades to play it, even though I'm not really like a fighting game fan because how great the game was. Exactly. Like, I mean, I'm not a fighting game fan today. Like, it's really the only fighter that I really invested my time in. Um, it's it was just so accessible. I can't ask Greg. Uh, do you remember the price point of its release in America? How much it actually retailed for? I believe it was a little bit more expensive than a usual game title, probably around sixty bucks. Yeah. See, it was 120 Australian dollars. Oof. So around that same, it's the conversion. It it was just one of those games that was so expensive. Um, yeah. And, and like a lot of even um, Capcom or Konami, uh, Konami games were just always that extra price point higher. And I'm not sure exactly why. Maybe obviously the cards, getting cards made and taxes and stuff like that. But it was just such an expensive expensive investment, um, especially when Street Fighter 2 was such in high demand. That price right. point was crazy. Yeah, definitely. Um, so you said you were a fan of the... Like, you said you were, like, a fan of the arcade game, too, right? Yes, yes. So, uh, man, I wasn't any good at this game. Um, I remember, <laughs> you know, I was uh, quite little, and I just, uh, I enjoyed actually watching people play as much as playing it myself, and I wasn't such a competitor. I was actually scared to face people. I mean, I just, you know, because obviously in the, on a, you know, on the arcade system, you know, people could put their coins in and challenge you, and it was actually quite scary for me. <laughs> I just remember being so nervous, because I didn't know what I was really doing. I just... You know, there were so many buttons. Having six buttons at the time for a fighter, you know, was uh, was uh, you know, could be overwhelming for a lot of people until you really know what they do. Like it was kind of a comparable experience for me, like playing, sure, playing like you know, Fender as a kid the first time because of all the buttons that that game had. But uh, um, but yeah, Street Fighter Two actually, uh, actually, like I have played a lot of fighting games over the years, and I think that even though I think Street Fighter Two is probably fairly easy slash borderline medium as far as complexity i mean definitely i mean like there definitely are a lot of fighting games that are more complex to pick up than this game is i think mortal kombat's a lot more difficult to get into uh i think the i think most snk fighters are more difficult are are more difficult to get into uh i think probably the only fighting games i say are probably easier to get into uh that is that is we can actually button mash and have a fair chance of success uh, that could be Soul Calibur and the... Uh, yes. Uh, Soul Calibur. Like the, the Tekken? Are you going to say Tekken as well? I uh, know. Dead or Alive games. Okay. Uh, yes. Um, okay. I think... 
Tekken, Tekken for me, I think is more difficult than Street Fighter 2, just a little bit. I, I probably would rank Street Fighter 2 as probably, uh, as, probably, as probably the third easiest to like the major fighting game franchises. So, I mean, I mean, I mean, yes, they're combos, but the combos are not that difficult to learn. Um, yes. And, and, um, and, and it doesn't take much to remember. Um, there's only there's only so many combos for you for like each person. Um, where, compared to later games, which had a lot more combos available to them, so you could probably so you could you could learn the two or three major combos like your character without too much hassle. Um, well, the word combo for me was invented for Street Fighter because at the time, like you know, we didn't get the combo uh, screen combo text come up on the um, on the screen when you hit something. Uh, you know, we put something really cool together until later. Um, in other versions, but uh, I just remember when you got the when you got the the special moves down, even just pulling that off was very satisfying. Yes, um, definitely. And then later on, you could you could kind of work out that you know the medium and light punches are actually quite useful, for mm -hmm. example. And it, you know that's something that you can master. But just going back to your original point on accessibility, uh, how it's not it's not hard to get into Street Fighter and be good at it. And that's what I love about it, and that's why I think it, it had success because people that weren't used to playing fighting games at all or weren't into that type of um, mm. genre could pick this up and have a great time without having to learn a lot. You know, you get you could pick one character and learn its moves, especially mm. like um, Ken and Ryu, which had uh, obviously a very similar uh, had similar uh, moves, obviously, mm. and be able to play and enjoy it, get it down quite easily. Um, uh, that's important. You know, an accessible fighter without that extreme level of technicality, mm -hmm. and then you got the competitive fighter, so you can then take it to the next level and learn, you know, move sets from uh, Zangief and and uh, Ed Honda and stuff like that. So, mm. uh, yes, I mean, like you know, like I'm definitely in the same boat because, like you know, I, I played the game in arcade, like I liked it, um, but. Uh, but I finally got to play the home version of it. I was just shocked, like how good of a port mm -hmm. that it was. I mean, it's not a perfect port, but as far as ports of arcade games go, I think this is probably like one of the best arcade to console ports hands down because I've talked about this before like a like past podcast but I played this game first the Super NES when I was laid up in bed recovering from recovering yeah. from, recovering from like having wisdom teeth yanked out in February in February of 92 and the uh, and the uh, I bought Super Castlevania 4 just before that happened for my own money but, uh, but I also had rented a few few games and Street Fighter 2 was one of them and so I and so I didn't and so I just remember during that week, in between playing Super Castlevania 4, I'd pick up Street Fighter 2 and, and, and like, just hack away at it. And those two games that were pretty much 99% to play, play, play that week. And it was just like a really, I was just amazed, amazed just how good and silky smooth that the port of the game was. Yeah, Nintendo definitely scored big time with this exclusive at the time. You know, they oh. even used the slogan, Arcade Perfect. That was what they mm -hmm. sold. And... That drew people into that system. That's definitely. the reason this game was such a killer app. Somehow, yes. somehow Nintendo, and somehow Nintendo was able to secure um, an, an exclusive license for this game from Capcom that was only available in Super NES. The Genesis never got the version. The Genesis yeah. like never got the Genesis. The, the Genesis never got this version of the game. They did get. Uh, they did get. They did get Street Fighter Two games later on, but the sequels. But the, uh, this first game came out only on the Super NES, and it was like it was like it was over a year later before before Genesis finally got a Street Fighter Two game in, in like you know late like late '93. So I mean, like I said earlier, this this game hands down was definitely was definitely killer app for getting people to get out there to get out there and buy the system, and, and this is what really pushed the Super NES into ahead at least at least here in the states. This is this game is what pushed Super NES and like head head battle with the Genesis like over the next several years.
Yeah, so, we had this. We had the same uh, bundle that the Americans uh, market had, the Street Fighter Two bundle, and that was. I mean, even just the original bundle for the Super Nintendo, you got Super Mario World. That's such a great installed game to have. Yeah. But Street Fighter Two was the first system seller, in my opinion, for the system because the marketing power of Sega at the time was a lot bigger than Nintendo. Um, not to bore viewers, uh, listeners, but um, Mattel. Uh, you have you heard of Mattel, Greg? Mattel is a company. Oh yes, of course. Yeah, yes. they actually owned the, the the PR rights for the, they were launching the console here in Australia, and it wasn't until two years later that Nintendo set up an Australian office. But right, um, right. they didn't have the budget that Sega had in Australia at the time. So you again, a lot of advertisement was coming for you know the original Sonic selling that system. But when Street Fighter Two came out in the bundle, that's when you really saw it take the next level, and um, a lot of people jumped on just because of Street Fighter Two, as we've said. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Just looking at the overall development of this game is curious in and of itself because uh, nobody remembers these days the original Street Fighter. Uh, that game came out in 1997 and it was an okay success, but the game was pretty much a flop, at least according to the higher-ups of Capcom. So the very fact that they would go back to the franchise four years later and come out and come out with come out with a brand new, heavily upgraded game is kind of surprising in and of itself. Um, but apparently, some but apparently some of the designers were fans of the game, and they convinced their convinced their bosses that look, we have a okay system here. Let's improve upon it. And they spent two years with a development team of like 30 people, like to make this game. Um, so and when the the game came out in the arcades in, in mid '91, they definitely proved proved the formula the formula of flight that, that the formula of flight was a success. Um, I got some sales figures right here. Um, by three, by, by three years later, by three years later, by 1994, um, between the home and the arcade versions, 25 million people like in the U.S. like played the game. Um, by '95, revenues for Street Fighter II and its sequels had like over 2.3 billion dollars. Um, and so, and like I said, 6.3 million copies of this game sold like alone like worldwide so uh i mean it, it's kind of like the same it's like it's kind of like the same situation where grand theft auto uh like is in yeah uh grand yeah. theft auto 3 was the one that was a smash like a smash success nobody remembers the first two games but yeah um so just just the very fact they were able to convince their bosses at capcom to go ahead and make this game in the first place is like just kind of uh, yeah. uh interesting just, yeah it's, a, it's definitely a testament to the game design the character design um, and I know that the original makers, the first Street Fighter, um, they went behind this game. They moved on. I think they went to move. They went to work for SNK, who did their own fighters. But Street Fighter Two, uh, obviously, took what Street Fighter did well and just elevated everything about it. Um, have you have you played the original Street Fighter, Greg, on a ROM or um, any past experiences? Yes, I actually remember playing the original Street Fighter like an arcade, and I wasn't very impressed by it. I mean, it just seemed yeah. like a just your yeah. basic, it, it reminded me a lot like a Virtual Fighter by Sega. It was like, you know, yeah. which I believe also came out like around the same time period. Um, just kind of like a bland fighter, but... Um, it, yeah, it, it didn't have the grit that the Street Fighter 2 World Warrior had, you know, and I just find that... I, I don't think I've ever seen a sequel uh, be made on something. It took something as an original concept and delivered in such a way that um, really just took over the world as it did. I don't know if I've ever seen that just because of the the one-on-one -on -one combat was there, but I'll, I'll use an example. The simplistic things, I'll be able to pick more than one character because the original Street Fighter, 
you only had an option to pick Ryu. And, he, and, uh, and you, if you're playing two players, you got to pick Ken. That was the options you had. Right. Where in Street Fighter 2, it was the first fighter generally you could actually pick from um, uh, eight fighters. Right. And you, right. and that that's for me like you talk about today that's just a standard but back then that was a huge breakthrough for a fighting machine to give you give you a sense of um, long term play because you could pick other fighters and get better at them yes and yes. I just find that that's such a uh, testament to the game designers to really think about those things because you got to put it in the context where this genre was a new genre um, so obviously we look now today how um, how successful the series has been I look at the World Warriors still. Um, as the biggest influence on the degenerate itself. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like, you cannot overestimate, like, or overstate the importance Street Fighter 2 had, like, in both the arcade and the console markets, because there's many games that we wouldn't see if this game hadn't been a success. I mean, like, this, I mean, this pretty much birthed Mortal Kombat. This pretty much birthed yes, uh, a whole course. generation of fighting games and games similar to it. Uh, this gave the Super NES a major shot in the arm that that encouraged more publishers to make games with the system because the because the install base is bigger um, and established Capcom as being like as being like genuine powerhouse uh, franchise again with when they've been losing ground uh, like other companies. I'm mean, like you yeah. know this is but even but even today this is still one of the biggest biggest smash hits like video game history. So yeah. um, and like I said, you know, the fact that the fact that this game could be enjoyed by somebody like myself who's not like he's not even like a real diehard fighter fan, um, it's just really it's just really impressive. Like it's a great I wouldn't call it a pick 'em play game, but it's a very but if you want a good fighting game to to, to sneak your teeth into, uh, this did you know, this is definitely going to start off with. Yes, definitely. It takes advantage of the system, um, and it shows off everything that's beautiful about it. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the way I look at it. Like, if I was to show off the Super Nintendo 21, um, someone who's a bit older that, that's aware of the you know the gaming space, Street Fighter 2 would be my first one to show just because of its um, beautiful art style um, and its soundtrack. Definitely. Oh, yeah. Yep, definitely. The music of this game like is very good. Uh, the sound effects were great. Um, I mean, you know, both of them took really full advantage of the, it's like that Sony sound chip, uh, that the system had to be yes. able to produce those like, really like, you know, vivid, uh, music and uh, music, uh, music and sounds, uh, yeah. the, con uh, the controls worked pretty well. Um, there were, I remember having a couple minor issues, but I never really could quite tell if it was just because of my fault or just because of the input lag, uh, like a little bit, but, uh, but uh, but overall, I thought the controls like were very solid. Um, um, the combos, the same combos were present in this version as in the arcade version. So once you get used to doing them on a pad versus versus a stick, uh, like it wasn't that bad. Yeah. Did you play? Um, do you remember playing it back in the day? Was it on Super Nintendo controller, or did you actually start playing on the arcade stick uh, when they were released? I never had an arcade stick except for the Super Advantage, and I didn't have one this early, so I definitely did all my Street Fighter 2 uh, playing of like the Super NES controller. Yeah. yeah, me too. Um, can I just say, just regarding the music, I think it was such a nice touch in the option menu, uh, having the music effects, you could actually go through and actually play the songs individually, and um, I think it's a cool touch because it's such a tribute to how good the music was. They really wanted to be able to expose that. Even if in the menu screen, you just wanted to have a, have a, have a quick listen to the songs. Um, the, com the composer was actually Yoko um, Shimamura. I don't know if you've heard of her, but um, yes. she did Final Fight um, and she did some Breath of Fire, I think, later on. Um, but she's now working on uh, Kingdom Hearts 3, Final Fantasy 15. Um, she actually did the music for Super Mario RPG 
um, and the Kingdom Hearts series. So I think uh, people, if they're interested in like musical soundtracks, check her career out. She's you know a genius level uh, game composer, and I really admire her work. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. So you mentioned eight characters earlier. Let's just go over them. I'll yes, like real quickly. Definitely. Uh, you have like Ryu, uh, who plays the Japanese martial artist. Probably the like if you're gonna pick a mascot, the a mascot for the series. Probably probably Ryu is the one that people look flavor like think of. Um, yeah. And uh, um, yes. he's definitely like he's definitely easy to control. He's, he's a good player to, to he's a good player to start off with. Like new to the game, um, his combos are pretty easy to learn and they're pretty effective. Uh, so um, then you have uh, E Honda, uh, who's also from Japan, sumo wrestler, uh, tougher to use. Definitely definitely a fighter for like more experienced players, but he's also slower. But if you're able to land hits, uh, they're very powerful. Um, and this is it. Uh, and it's also true of like Blanca, uh, the beast-like man from Brazil. Uh, again, slow, hard to use, but if you're, uh, but in the hands of a good player, he's absolutely deadly. Um, then you have Guile, uh, like from the U.S., uh, military guy, like with that uh, um, distinctive haircut and very like martial art-like moves. Uh, you have Ken, who's like who's pretty much like I said earlier, the carbon copy like Ryu. Um, you have Chun Li, the one female character like in this game, uh, the Chinese female martial artist, um, kind of the kind of the fast, a weak type. Uh, in the hands of a good player, though, uh, very very deadly. Um, you have a Zhang Griff, the pro wrestler, like from the Soviet Union. Not that impressive. His, like his moves, I think, are pretty similar, like some of the other um, uh, wrestling wrestling types. And then you have the very weird, but the very strange, uh, but still very good uh, in the hands of a great player, uh, like the Haslam. Uh, the yoga master from India. So weird, like weird combos, weird game design choices for him. But, uh, but again, I think that he seemed to be the person who was least popular uh, among the people like I know played the game. But again, the hands of a great, like the hands of a great player, uh, he, he was definitely forced to be reckoned with. Um, so uh, which of those, which, so which of the characters are your favorites? <laughs> I don't want to be boring. And I just want to put it out there to the listeners as well. Um, Ryu, Ryu, People said his name differently everywhere, so I, excuse, <laughs> excuse us. I don't want criticism coming on. He can't even say the name right. That's just what it is. You said I called uh, the um, Indian character Dalsim. Mm. You know, that's it's just it's weird because these pronunciations. You're probably saying it right. <laughs> I'm just saying that I, don't, I know there's a lot of passionate fans out there. I don't want to get criticized, so I do apologize. <laughs> um, my character was Ken. Mm. Um, I felt Ken had an advantage in this game just because of his roll uh, roll throw kick. Yes. Uh, the roll throw. Sorry, I think it, it did a little bit more damage, but they were quite balanced. Um, Ryu and Ken. I don't know. I love Ken's music, so sometimes I play as Ryu just so I could face Ken uh, <laughs> on his level, uh, which we'll get to in a second. But um, yeah, definitely those two. Look, I, I'm not a great fighting um, gamer. I like those two just because they're so accessible, yeah. um, and I like that they they've got a mid tempo speed and they're quite weighted at the same time. Yeah. Um, and you know, later on we'll get to it, but you know, Street Fighter Two Turbo that came out later balanced out the, the levels a little bit more and i found that just the disadvantages of ryu and ken specifically was the damage that they they gave out wasn't as high as some other characters and it kind of um can affect you in a lot of ways especially in the later stages of the game yeah i think capcom recognized that and that's why they made the changes yeah. the, the changes from the diversion of the game yeah. um i usually about, sorry i didn't mean to cut you off what was sorry. your favorite character i should ask you before sorry um well i usually played as a uh I uh, played as Guile, both because he was the one 
uh, U.S. person in the game. Like, and that's because I really like this combination of, of balance, like a balance and power. I mean, yeah. the, 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 he wasn't he wasn't he wasn't as quick as some of the he wasn't as quick as some of the other fighters. Um, but he gave a good balanced combination of strength and power. Um, yeah. Uh, or sometimes, or sometimes, especially against, or sometimes, especially against uh, experienced human players. Uh, I, I usually, uh, like in those cases, I, I, I usually switch over. Uh, I switch over to Chun Li because I really like your like your speed. Uh, just really being able to get in there and land those and land those and land those kicks and punches, which punches real quick. Uh, really, definitely, really gave you a powerful. Uh, uh, it's very handy to have against an experienced game player because. Uh, I always, in a case like that, I always take speed like over power. Yes, I agree, especially in a game like this. The Super NES version was quite slow, um, so having someone like uh, Chen Li was definitely um, a benefit if you could use her properly. Just regarding Guile, playing it recently, I just realized that he's got a, um, even the simplistic ways of his, of his sweet kick, how it's a double, it, it, it turns twice. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. that was a, you know, in a game that you use the sweep a lot, that was such an advantage to have as that character. And I, I, even when facing him as a computer opponent, that was really um, really annoying in a lot of ways because um, you forget that he'd sweep twice. Right. Uh, yeah, you mentioned... I. Uh, yeah, you mentioned a moment ago about how the Super NES version like is like, like a little bit slower. Uh, that's a great segue to talk about the differences for between the two games. Um, I think I noticed that also. It, it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't so slow as to be distracting, um, but it definitely. But between the combination of that and having to get used to using the controller uh, with the pad versus the stick in the arcade, uh, there definitely was just a period for somebody for somebody coming over to this version of the game like in the arcade. Uh, somebody who had never played the game like in the arcade wouldn't really notice any of that stuff. So, um, um, but ha- but having said that, I think I think that slight slowdown is really the only drawback about this version of the game. Otherwise, yeah. like I said before, I think it's a great port of the game. Uh, um, I, I can't explain to people like at the time you look at the difference of power between the console and an arcade system, mm-hmm. um, an arcade box. And this is such an extremely faithful, faithful reproduction of yeah. this game. And there was obviously some slight graphical differences. Yeah. Um, and I just thought there were some things they improved on, like some of the audio things as well. And later on in the stages, um, they really actually pushed the Super NES to a whole new level. Yeah, this is actually the first 16 meg game that yes. came out with Super NES. Um, I was just going to say that. Yeah, yeah definitely. Right. So we had to make a couple compromises because they're, they're comp- compromises because the arcade bar hardware was, was so much more powerful than what was available on the consoles. But yeah, I mean, like considering the graphical and audio cutbacks that they did i mean like you know some of the some of the sound effects and voices are missing some of the graphical touches in the background are taken out blah 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 but yeah. considering the job that they had to do in cramming down <coughs> the cartridge it, it, it's like it's a great job and oh, and the uh, the game came out pretty soon after the arcade game had come out i mean uh i have release dates here the game came out super national japan in june 10 1992 it came out in north america just a month later on july 15th and it didn't take very long like, to get to Europe. Uh, Europe had it released in, yeah. like, in December, uh, in December '92. I'm guessing, I'm guessing, it came out in Australia like around the same time period. Yeah, um, okay. we generally had the UK release date the same. Mm-hmm. That was generally our release date as well. So Capcom, Capcom, not only kind of rushed the port of this game uh, to get it out to, to get out there like while the game was still super popular, but they didn't compromise on it. Um, and so, and, and so, anybody who bought this game. Really wasn't disappointed. I mean, I mean, like I said before, there have been there have been many great arcade ports, uh, but I think this, but but I think until recently, I think this game probably is heads and shoulders. Like I put in my top five as far as like arcade ports. 
Uh, you, you put it before Turbo? Uh, mm, that's, that's tough. Uh, Turbo is a little bit of a different game. Uh, I probably would say that... I probably would say this version. Of the, I I'd probably say World Warriors port is only a little bit better, only because Turbo was a more complicated game. Uh, cool. And they had to do. Uh, and the more complicated the game is, the bigger it is, the more compromises and struggles that they had to do in trying to get it. To, to trying to get it to fit like into our uh, like, like a home cartridge port. And this is not anything new. I mean, like this goes back to the days of Atari, trying to try and try and somehow somehow shoe, shoehorn a uh, <clears throat> powerful arcade game into like a tiny little like four meg four meg cartridge. Um, so it's very difficult to port to port an arcade game until recently, uh, uh, um, uh, like into a, 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 a home release. So I think all things to get. Actually, I think I think all the home ports, Street Fighter Two, the Super NES, were very very good. Uh, the, the Genesis ports, I think, were a little bit more lacking. Uh, I'm not sure why. Different development team, uh, not being able to. The Genesis having slightly. The Genesis having slightly inferior inferior graphical capability Super NES, I'm not really quite sure. But I never, when I checked them out again recently, I thought the I thought the Genesis Genesis ports of the of the Street Fighter Two games they weren't quite as good. Yeah, I I agree totally. Uh, you know, I'm I'm sure we'll get to the bosses. Um, but the one thing that I liked about World Warrior over Turbo, putting gameplay aside, which we'll get to obviously, but I like the mystique of the bosses, not being able to choose them. And I know that's probably an unpopular opinion just because people want to be able to have choice. And playing as Vega is very cool, don't get me wrong, and Bison. Yes. And, um, but I love, I, love the, I love mystique. And we talked about characters before. In Street Fighter 2, every character has a unique look. You know, you can, they're so recognizable. And, you know, a lot, of, a lot of games today have good characters and some have bland characters and you can't connect with every one of them. But with Street Fighter 2, even if you didn't play with someone like Blanca, when you saw him on the screen, he had some presence. And when you got to the boss stages, that was just a crazy feeling because you knew that these characters you don't get to see a lot because you don't get to choose them at the, at the main menu. And you can never play as them. So when you were playing against them, it just added a whole new level of intensity, in my opinion. And I like them having that mystique, where in Turbo, obviously, you had um, the option to choose them, which mm. was cool, for, especially for gamers that you know already mastered a lot of these characters that can now master new characters. Mm. Um, well, since you already brought it up, um, Street Fighter 2, uh, as both a pro and a con, had several sequels come out of it. In fact, like in fact, like, like yeah. that kind of became a running joke by the mid '90s about just how many versions of the game that Capcom made because they kept they kept making enhanced version after enhanced version after enhanced version of Street Fighter Two when everybody just wanted like a new Street Fighter game. And when that game finally came out, yeah. like it was a major flop. So, yeah. Um, yeah. but the um, uh, the next version of Street Fighter Two to come out was 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 the Champion Edition. Uh, which came up with the arcades in '92 in, in Super NES uh, later on that year. Um, pretty similar, uh, like allowed you, like, like allowed you play those four grandmasters that you mentioned earlier, uh, the four bosses, like in the original game. Um, then there was also uh, after, like, like after that, after that there was the uh, turbo, the turbo hyper fighting version of the game, which increased. Uh, the main difference of that one was that it increased slightly increased the playing speed and gave some and gave some of the characters like some special moves. Um, then you had Street Fighter. Then you had then your, then your Super Street Fighter Two, some new challengers in '93, which a uh, which had a, which basically just had just had updated graphics, graphics and audio, and four new characters. Then Super Street Fighter Two Turbo in '94. 
and then fighting finally the and, and, like fighting finally the last one was a um uh hyper hyper free fire 2 which is kind of like you know uh which featured powered uh part of special like special moves called super combos and it's like new it's like new hidden characters so for the next like three years until 95 capcom just kept riding the riding the wave of success that they had <clears> this game and just kind of making i mean the sequels the sequels were good don't get me wrong but they weren't they weren't the earth-shattering new game that they're uh the new game uh that people like, really wanted Sorry, sorry, Greg, just to be specific. So the, the Super NES versions we got on this console, we got World Warrior. We we didn't get Championship Edition. I think that was the, the Genesis. I think we got Turbo instead. Is that correct? Because I, I looked this up and I couldn't find the Well, I was just mentioning all the games that came out in the arcade. Ah, okay, uh, sorry. Like okay. Super NES. Super NES looks like that it got, uh, besides World Warrior, it looks like it also got, like it looks like it, it, looks like it also got, um, we got Turbo, also, and then we got Super Street Fighter 2, which is the new challenges. Yes. Uh, and then we got a, we got an Alpha 2 later on, like right at the end of the system's um, lifespan. So right. um, there were, the, I think, the four major versions we got. Right. So counting like, 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 counting all Super NES releases of the game, plus the plus the exclusive uh, special, special, special Championship uh, uh, Edition, edition yeah. Genesis, and the HD yeah. remake of the game that came out recently <laughs> with PS3 and Xbox 360, the game, yeah. the game worldwide sold 14.3 million copies. And that's just, success. Yeah, yeah, it's just an amazing figure. Uh, when this game, when this game came out recently as a remake, it broke, it broke first day and first week sales for download only title. So yeah. there are a lot of, like, so obviously there are a lot of gamers who stored, who stored very like fond memories, like fond memories of the game. So. Yeah. Look, I don't know how, how much you want to get into the other Super Nintendo versions, but I'll just say I've recently got to play them. I don't know if you had a time either, but um. I found Turbo to be enjoyable, but it, re it really, for me, the biggest disappointment is the balancing because I found that what I mastered in Street Fighter II World mm -hmm. Warrior, I kind of had to change my playing style completely in Turbo because the balancing of, of, of characters is just completely different. Right, um, yeah. So that's something to, like, if you like a faster pace, for someone who hasn't played these versions, someone who likes a faster pace, I suggest going straight to Turbo and learning um, the style of that game because playing World, uh, World Warrior it's a totally different experience, in my opinion, when it comes to you know mastering a character's move set, their movement, and defeating opponents as well, knowing what they're doing as well. Yeah, I pretty much same thoughts, like same thoughts the game that you did. I think that I really appreciated, I really, I really appreciated uh, the speed upgrade that they that the yeah. Capcom gave the game because like like we know Super NES didn't have we because we know Super NES like didn't have the fastest the fastest processor. Uh, that's the main area that. That's the main area yeah. where we're, we're disadvantaged to Vista Vista Genesis. Um, so I thought Capcom did a great job of speeding up the game. Uh, and the balancing, some of it was successful, some of it was not. I thought I, I thought overall Turbo was a good effort, but I think really where Capcom was able to finally nail, nail it on the head and get the perfect Street Fighter 2 game was definitely New Challengers. Because I think it's the best game, the, 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 the best games that came on the game of Super NES. Because that balanced... Because that game had a great mix of speed and also balance. Yeah, I, I just on Super Street Fighter, I, I'm this, I'm gonna disagree <laughs> because <laughs> I, 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 I liked, um, and the overall touch of that game is excellent. Street Fighter Two, it's a really good experience because you get the, the multiple characters. Um, I just find that they changed a lot of the the characters' looks and some of the moves were upgraded in the way it visually looked. But I don't, for some reason, I just feel like it's a, it's a flat uh, art style compared to 
uh, World Warrior and Turbo. I, I, I love the original sprites. Mm. And I just personally, just personal opinion with Super Street Fighter 2, it didn't have the same feel for me when it came to the characters and its design. Um, but it was definitely an upgrade across the board. Even with Turbo, there's some slight graphical differences. They've added some more details within the stages and levels. So, um, but just a personal opinion, yeah. I never really got into Super Street Fighter 2, and, and I preferred the originals. Um, so have you played the recent like, HD remix? Uh, no, I haven't. You know, again, I just want to put it out there. I'm not a um, not a fighter fighter fan. I don't play a lot of fighters. I just remember um, this game specifically as something that meant a lot to me in terms of uh, gaming. Well, actually, yeah, definitely. Uh, like I said, yeah, definitely. But like I said earlier, several times, I'm not really a huge fighting fan, but it has such fan, uh, fond memories of Street Fighter Two. I, I want to check it out, and it's a mm. very good. I um, mean, you know, and actually, like, actually, I was impressed. Like, it's a very good upgrade of the game. Okay. I mean, like, I, I mean, like, you know, this is, this is, this is, this is the case where I think an upgrade of the game was done, but like, was done correctly. Um, I, I kind of compare it to the recent remake that came out for Ducktales, uh, which is like a, yeah, which is one of my all-time right. favorite, like favorite, like favorite like NES games. I mean, they took, they took the game, they upgraded the, they, 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 they took the game, they upgraded the graphics, they upgraded the music, um, the, um. Uh, they still left the core gameplay intact, and you know I thought this. Uh, um, so I thought the HD Remix version of the game is very good, uh, like for what it offered. So. Yeah, that's a that's a Capcom game. Yeah, the yes. original Ducktales. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. 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 Uh, look, you know, I just people love this series, uh, Street Fighter Two, um, and they've grown they've grown up with it. Um, I also, uh, you know, are very fond of the the game itself, but I just find that. I never, I never were drawn in. I was, I never resonated with fighting games. So I just wasn't any good at them. Um, and there's such a competitive scene now. It's just for, to master characters in fighting. It's just, it's, it's crazy for me. Mm. I could never fathom to do it. Um, but yeah, I really admire its legacy. Um, and I think it, it really, when you look at history and the Super Nintendo and the success it had, it really it owes a lot to this console and uh, what I did for it. Yes, definitely. I mean, like you know, I think that anybody can recognize the fact that even they don't really appreciate the game, there's there's definitely there's definitely no no there's definitely like no denying both the impact it had in the Super NES and, and also upon video games in general. Because like you know, uh, like I, like I said earlier, there's so many games and so many there's so many games that wouldn't be out there if it wasn't for this one yeah. game. Um, so. <clears throat> It introduced me to not just the Super Nintendo, it introduced me to anime. Um, I don't know if you've seen it, in 1994 they released a really cool anime film for the Street Fighter 2 series. I mean, there's been plenty of anime since, mm -hmm. but right. you know, that released me to Japanese art. And to this day, I'm a big fan of anime. So like, you know, this series I've got so much to thank for, even though I'm not a, a player today of the latest. So look, to be honest, I'm not a big fan of the art style in general now, the direction they've taken. The, um, since Alpha, really, I haven't really paid attention. But the art style of all the latest uh, versions of Street Fighter, I'm just not a fan of. And that's just, you know, my opinion. But um, again, I've got a lot to thank it for uh, because, you know, like I said, Super Nintendo, like if, <laughs> uh, it, if, not, if it wasn't Street Fighter 2, you know, that's my interest probably wouldn't be there. But um, anime as well. So definitely yeah. have a lot of yeah. um, thanks for this console. So did you so do most of your game playing with this game like your friends? Or, yeah, or, yeah, definitely. Or... I had a friend up the road and um, used to go, you know, to be honest, you made friends with Street Fighter 2. Like, you made friends with people <laughs> who own this game. It's just, you know, as disingenuous it sounds, that's just what was amazing about it. When you knew a friend up the road had the console, you'd be there and you'd play for hours. And I remember my mum would try and we wouldn't know where I was because back then, no mobile phones, you know, wouldn't know where you were. And I was, we'd just be playing Street Fighter 2. Um, and actually, funny story, 
because even before the Super Nintendo days, like when it was in the um, the arcades in the corner store, like I was saying before, you know, all our money, all our my money, all my pocket money, would just go on these machines. And when I'd run out, I'd actually uh, a friend of mine, we'd go to houses knocking on the door and and, and say, "We'll wash your car for two dollars," you know, and we get coins that way. We're washing people's cars just to put in this machine. And I don't know how much I spent playing this game, but it was a beautiful thing, you know. When you think of childhood memories and 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 look, it's in a, it's a nostalgia factor. Um, but like going back, it just brought back so many memories when I played this game. Um, and to talk about it is just a beautiful thing. So how would you overall like rank your skill? It's like this game back then, like we were able to beat most of your friends. Or no, what? no, no, no. I wasn't very bad. <laughs> it looked. I mean, revisiting today, like I'm enjoying it more because I'm I'm learning combos and I'm I'm, I'm learning how to use characters, especially you and Ken. I remember back then I was all about finger bashing and, mm-hmm. you know. It, it was such a satisfying feeling uh, to really learn how to do, like for example, your, your dragon punch. That's mm-hmm. such an effective move in this game, um, and having having to be able to master that is so important yeah, um, if you want to get through to the final bosses on like a harder level. But back in the day, when I pulled up on a dork and a fireball, it was you know it was a big deal for me. I just remember it was such a big deal. And special moves in general in this game is, is a big sell point. You know, having the fighters having those unique move abilities just mm-hmm. a huge sell point for this game. It wasn't yeah. just kick punch, you know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, combos were pretty much like pretty much invented by Capcom like in this game. So yes. uh, we're sending all fighting games since then like I've had. So, um, but, uh, so uh, uh, there is one code, for, like with this, actually two codes for, like this game I found. Uh, I'm not sure if you knew about this, but um, you can remove the energy bars, the timer, and the sound in the game if you want to. I'm not sure why, but um, if you go into the option menu and push start, and do it 27 times in a row. When you start the game, the bars, timer, and sound like well go bye bye. So, <laughs> um, and and uh, this code, however, is more interesting. If you want to, if you two guys who want to play the same part, if you have two guys that the like want to play, like want to play the same character, um, yeah. Uh, uh, at the Capcom logo on the main screen, push down R, up L, Y, B, and then hit start, and uh, and you can have two cans, like two like Ryu's, for example. So. Yeah, it's a very. I mean, it, it's a shame, like when you look at this game and, and for Capcom not to introduce more codes for this game because having an option to play as the bosses as a code would have been a cool addition. Um, and it's just surprising that it was quite limited. Um, yeah, I just didn't think they thought about it back then because, like you know, uh, uh, because next version of the game did have the four bosses playable. Yeah, yeah, um, it did. It, you know, I just don't think it came up when they were developing yeah. it because I think that. Probably even Capcom themselves was shocked at the runaway success of the game. Um, yeah. So I mean, like you know, uh, you know, it was probably just a case of just just a case of, well, we'll take a chance on this and see if it works this time, and just stay, uh, um, and uh, just stay, and just and just not wanting to have, and not wanting to have uh, too much going on. But... Yeah, like uh, not to go back on what I said before, but I was stating that it was it was a cool for me that you couldn't play as the bosses in a way because of that mistake factor, but. Um, you know, cheat codes are always a fun thing to have when you, especially when you, um, especially at the time when you've uh, discovered them. Um, but what I loved about this game, though, is in terms of the details regarding the endings of the characters, mm-hmm. that really added a whole new level um, where you could really uh, resonate a bit more with the characters you're playing and having more of a backstory. That was always a big important factor for me, even today, where I love looking at where characters come from. You know, I want to be able to um, relate in, in, in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a really cool aspect that they had for the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So all things considered, um, uh, 
you know, considering how expensive this game was before the Dragon Fist came out in both our countries, um, and considering the price spike that Super NES games are going through, like, right now, like, online, uh, this game, because of how popular it was, can be had pretty cheap. Uh, when I was looking... When I was looking online at eBay, uh, unfortunately, just the American eBay, so I don't know how things uh, compare like compare down there in Australia, but um, at least in the American eBay, there's plenty of copies to be had, and you can get the card alone for anywhere from seven fifty to twenty um, from $7.50 to twenty dollars and fifty cents. Um, and if you go on CIB, that's twenty two that's that's twenty two twenty eight dollars. So not yeah. really. Like so, all things considered, not that expensive. I mean, like, like I mean, like I mean, there's a lot more of the games that are a lot more expensive than this, and not, and that's not even kind of like uh, counting, counting the traditional um, uh, heavy expense RPG games either. So um, you can, so if you want to, you, if you want to, I, I pick the card up for pretty cheap, and you also have the option of getting the game on virtual console, and there's also, and, and there's also the recent, the recent, the, the recent HD remix. So there's several ways to play this game still, like today. Yeah, I, I, I put this out there to all the listeners. Like, I mean, this is a game, if you are looking at playing your Super Nintendo again or you're still playing the console, go back to this. Yeah. Like, even if it's um, the Turbo Edition, uh, they're yeah. the two editions I, I would suggest, the Wood Warrior and Turbo. It's just such a great experience even today. Like, it's such an accessible fighter. Mm. I mean, it's quite enjoyable, especially when you're playing two players. Like, this game for me invented couch co-op. Like, mm. playing with friends was such a fun time because it's a laugh, you know, especially when you're not, you're both not very good at it. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's important to be at very similar levels on because if you don't really know what's going on, you obviously can get dominated quite easily. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I put it out there. Please try it again. Experience this because it doesn't come along uh, often when a game like this can come through and... Um, mm you know, make such an impact in the gaming space. Yeah, definitely. But I mean, like, um, you know, this is a game I think also which, like, appeals equally to both beginners beginners and expert players. Because like I said, some of the characters are definitely more suited for beginners. Some of the characters are more, are more suited, like, for expert players. And yeah. and this game, and this game, both skill levels can go along, like, very nicely. Um, I think that, I think that, like I said earlier, I think that, I think that Soul Calibur and Dead or Alive is probably a little bit easier to get into for fighting games, but Street Fighter 2 is still a very, a very friendly uh, button mashing game to uh, like to try, especially if you're interested in like you know, um, this game has the advantage of nostalgia going forward compared to the other two fr franchises. Uh, so it's probably not looks like so it probably wouldn't be that hard to find somebody, um, to, you know, try this game out with you. Uh, and like I said, at Street Fighter 2 more than more than any other franchise really benefits from it that benefits from being accessible for players of all skill levels um so it definitely it definitely is a great like a great uh, entry level game and also i think i think i think this game the game were the games were checking out also just to see what this kill rap was i mean like yeah i, I mean exactly. try to imagine try to imagine the game still looks and sounds gorgeous today i just try to imagine what it was like back in uh, back in 92 when Bloodburst came out um, especially, like, especially, especially if you were a person like yourself who pumped so much money, uh, uh, like in the arcade yeah. version of the game and just how, just how silky smooth and perfect that the arcade, uh, port of this game was on Super, on Super NES, it's really impressive just like, you know, uh, on several levels. So it was a great testament for the systems that the, the um, the, uh, the system and the games and the games that the, the games that they would do on it, and it allowed and allowed Super NES to, to to really catch up to Genesis and slug it out with that system uh, uh, toe to toe for like for like several years. So uh, it's a great game both for nostalgia reasons, for history reasons, and also and also still a very fun playable fighter. 
Totally agree. Um, go get it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Great. So I really appreciate you coming on the podcast with me here and just like talking about your experiences with game, um, uh, like gaming down there in Australia, like and also it's like an author history, your, your history of the game, like whatnot. Um, you know, so was, um, so I really, um, so I really appreciate you making it, uh, taking the time um, to be on here, especially especially because of the time difference. I'm not sure we said yeah. this before, but there's a there's 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 a 14 hour time difference between between like you and Sydney, Australia, like me in Providence, Rhode Island, uh, USA. So. Um, no, thanks, Greg. It's been amazing. I really appreciate it. Just to talk about this game with you is amazing, and I hope we've done it justice because I know there's a lot of fans of this series. Yeah. Uh, um, and that's what I love about it. We're talking about a fantastic game, and I know with the Super NES podcast, we're looking at not just the popular titles, we're looking at obscure titles, mm-hmm. but this one just deserves a lot of love and uh, definitely a top five for me um, in the Super NES library um, for sure. Well, well, I'm not so much worried about this title as I am next title that we're doing on this podcast because if you think there's a lot of rabbit Street Fighter 2 fans out there, <laughs> Oh boy. <laughs> um, next, yeah. uh, the, the next episode of this podcast is going to be covering uh, another great classic game of the system, and also another one very important in the history of the history of gaming, and one that and one that and one that probably is the most rabid fans out there. Period. Um, the uh, the classic and much beloved, uh, and still like and still and, and and still being made in various forms today, um, Final Fantasy IV, which was released for Final Fantasy II of the Super NES uh, back in 1991. Uh, to this day, this game is still my favorite of the Final Fantasy series. I'm a huge Final Fantasy fan, but uh, this game th- this game is one I got my system with Super Mario World when uh, Christmas '91, and I was just simply and um, and it's impossible for me to state how just how blown away I was by the game. Uh, with the graphics, the music, and the story, and everything. So, um, um, and there's going to be another guest host on, like, on with me to talk about this game next to the next podcast because it was his choice. Just like, uh, just like, just like Street Fighter Two, like it was, uh, like it was your choice to talk about. Um, so, uh, yeah. So, uh, um, it's so uh, so going from like one classic game to like another classic game for very different reasons. That's nice, but like, I mean, like Super NES is known for its Japanese RPGs, and I think. There's yep. definitely so many, so many to talk about. So I'm really happy that we're, you know, you're going to go tackle Final Fantasy um, as a series just because it, it had such an impact. Again, not just on the Super Nintendo, but going forward, it was one of those uh, games that really penetrated the US market as as RPGs got popular. So it's going to be interesting, definitely. Well, it certainly well, wasn't, it wasn't the, the um, uh, RPG, uh, RPG introduction, introduction force that Final Fantasy VII was. was. But I think anybody who played four and and six also, uh, which came out here as three, uh, definitely has a great appreciation like for those games. I mean, those games are the ones that built up the franchise, and seven just simply introduced it to like the mass market. Um, yes. So, but uh, but um, so great. Uh, once again, I appreciate you being on the podcast with me here, and uh, thank you very much to everybody out there for your support and for listening to this. Um, if you have any questions, feedbacks, comments. Game suggestions, what have you, you can reach me by email at the Super NES, I'm sorry, at the SNES podcast at yahoo.com. Um, you can also find me on the Virtual Junkies Network, uh, there's a Facebook page, and, and the podcast is also available on Twitter and, a, uh, I'm sorry, Twitter, yeah, I'll be okay today, um, <laughs> uh, 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 iTunes and Stitcher. Um, and you mentioned that you have a gaming blog that you run, correct? Yeah, so I write for thenerdfashionisto.com. 
um, which covers all latest industry, gaming industry uh, news. Um, and there's also opinion pieces on there. And I also write for mcvpacific.com. It's 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 very similar content. Um, but yeah, if you're if you're interested in the industry itself and checking out what's happening, all latest news about what's happening in that the gaming space, yeah, check it out. The nerdfashionista.com. And so I'm on Twitter as well at Alessandro Diossi. Um, if you guys want to put a shout out, shout out out there. Cool. Uh, so are these blogs just Libras of love for you, or? Yeah, like, well, I'm a, a MCB Pacific is more a uh, side job for me. Okay. Um, but the nerdfashionista.com is yeah more of just my love for gaming. Um, I, I, my ambition is to be in the industry itself. I'm mm. I'm actually a student at the moment. I'm studying, but um. That's something I really want to uh, get into. It's just, uh, you know, a love for me. Um, and again, just to be on this podcast to talk about games with you is just a, it's a privilege. And uh, yeah, thank you so much, Greg. I appreciate it. Well, yeah, definitely. I mean, like, you know, if you want to get into that murky, complicated, messy world of game journalism these days, all I can say is, you know, like, uh, God bless you because that's not a very easy, easy thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. Easy thing to do these days. So. Yeah, it's my, my uh, to be honest, my ambition is to be more in the marketing side of um of the gaming industry behind the, the design aspect and just really um uh, you know getting games out there and in terms of campaigns, advertising campaigns and things like that. But I use editorialism as you know just a branch uh, to step in the door and just get myself within the, the business. So. So do your blogs have a pretty uh, heavy Aussie focus, I imagine. They don't. They're globalized. I mean, the, the gaming world is very global now. It's not really yeah. separate as much anymore. Right. I don't really focus on a lot of indie specifics. It's more mainstream. Okay. Um, but it's but it's not just game releases and the industry news as well. Um, it's sales figures. It's charts. Um, and it's you know staff movement things like that. I mean, it, it's not all exciting. But if you are you know interested in what's happening in the gaming world, not just the games that are released, uh, you know I suggest you check it out because it's um, there is some cool things that are happening. Cool. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Okay. So great. Uh, once again, um, once again, thank you very much for listening to this podcast, everybody. And thank you very much again for being on with me. And uh, we will see you next time. Uh, take care, all. Hello, everyone. This is Greg again. Uh, as promised, uh, here's some feedback that we got in Street Fighter 2. Um, the first thing I have to share with, to share with everyone is a audio submission that was submitted to me uh, by Paul, one of the co-hosts of the Retro Obscura podcast, a great retro gaming podcast that you should be listening to if you're not already. So Paul has some very passionate thoughts about Street Fighter 2, so let's hear what he has to say. What's going on, Soul Blazer? This is Paul from the Retro Obscura podcast. Um, and after I seen that you posted Street Fighter 2, The World Warrior, um, I decided I'm going to just kind of throw something together about my experience with this game and just kind of my vision of how this game kind of, in my opinion, just kind of destroyed the arcade. Um, maybe it didn't. Maybe it, it did. I don't know. It's just kind of what I thought as, as a kid when it came out originally. Um, I played the original Street Fighter game in the arcade and it had these punching pads and you would go and it had a, like a punch and a kick and you would just like hit them with your fist and you could either pick between Ryu and Ken and that was it and um it was tough as nails but if you kind of found these little like hidden things that your characters could do which was throw a fireball and do a spin kick and throw a an uppercut um you could kill the enemies very quickly it was just a matter of actually landing the procedure and you didn't have any like idea of how to do this um I think that's why the game, the original Street Fighter, wasn't very good success, um, and people really think it's really bad. Um, 
and I personally still go back and play it. I have it on one of my like PlayStation 2 collections for Capcom. Um, but I, I actually think the game's pretty decent. But let's get to Street Fighter 2. This is the first game. So it came out... Um, the This version came out apparently in 91. But I want to say the arcade came out a little bit before it. So it was probably in the early 90s. Or 1990 when it came out. And it's the first game I remember where people started lining up their tokens and quarters on the machine to play the game. Because people were just that good at it. They would stand at it and it was your turn to step up and play. And it just had that appeal to it. They got the mechanics right. They got everything right about this game. And I think that's why, like, as a kid, I was 11. I would be 11 years old at 1990. So I was 11 years old going to this arcade. And um, it's the first machine you see. It was right there in the front. And everyone is just lined up to play it, and that was the machine to play. And I just remember just being kind of like overwhelmed by it. So I didn't really step up to it unless it was empty or I happened to be there first or anything like that. So that was my experience playing that game. When it finally released to the Super Nintendo, um, to me, in my opinion, is where it kind of... the the whole arcade evolved basically um when the game originally came out so i live where i lived at the time there was a mall and you there was two arcades and the street fighter um arcade was downstairs upstairs was a bookstore i want to say it was kind of like barnes and nobles or it was some books walden books probably walden books and in the back of walden books they had the street fighter um, for the Super Nintendo, the actual, like, the demo where you can sit there and play it and you could, you know, with the art, the sticks coming out of the, out of the monitor and you would play it for the Super Nintendo. And that turned into a giant line in Walden Books. <laughs> there was just so many people that would go there to play it because they didn't have to put quarters in the machine anymore because the arcade port was that good and it was that spot on. And, to me it was kind of the 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 fall of the arcade or at least the beginning of the fall of the arcade because growing up as a kid um you know born in 79 I, I didn't see the arcade crash I just I just remember going to arcades there was always an arcade at where in my area so I didn't really see anything crash anything change like that but once these games started being ported over so good and original to the arcade because the 16-bit machines could do that so well i think that's when the arcade kind of started taking the shift at least in my opinion i i mean it might be different in other people's opinion but once my friend had enough stuff to trade in to actually get this game i don't i don't remember when we actually went to an arcade i was at his house all the time playing this game we would play it non-stop every minute i could get and then once we started getting into RPGs and stuff like that, I was like, hey, man, can I can I borrow your Super Nintendo? You can use my Genesis. And we would swap on and off. And he had Street Fighter 2, so I could get good at the characters, start learning their moves. I was using Nintendo Power, everything I could get at the time to, like, learn their moves. And it just kind of evolved from there. But I don't know. I, I, it's just... It's one of those games where it's just... You know, it revolutionized 
the whole fighting genre and um they they did everything right as it's going now i still enjoy the series i have like some of the newer ones and stuff like that they're the more kind of um art drawn style at least that's what it seems like for the playstation 3 um but it's still fun it's still fun to play i've never been good at the fighting games but it's i've always been i've always been able to notice things how they would just change and this was one of the games that did it also with one of the the NBA Jam series and stuff like that once they started porting those over and how good they were for the other systems it just seemed like it was like just the end of the arcade and once the 16 machines came out like that's what it was but um yeah Street Fighter 2 it, it it was it's just it's really good if you go to back to play it now it just seems slow you want to play one of the championship editions or turbo editions but um it's still a great game um and i still play it Thank you very much for taking the time to send an audio submission to the podcast, Paul. The very first one. Uh, I, I greatly appreciate it. Um, regarding what you said, I do agree with part of what you said. But I'd also argue that arcades were already dying anyway. Uh, they really have been dying ever since the ever since the great video game crash. And really, games of Street Fighter 2 and Mortal Kombat and a few others just simply gave the industry a shot in the arm and needed to be able to limp along for several for like for several more years. I don't see Street Fighter 2 as being damaging to arcades at all. Rather, it just simply prolonged the effect. Um, it just prolonged the slow dying process that arcades have been going through still to this day. Um, and having a great port of this game to the Super NES certainly did help save a lot of uh, certainly did help save a, a lot of money a money like an aggravation. The whole point of arcades is to ha- is to have games that you really can't pull off very well at home on the consoles and hardware available to you. And so it's being done today. Um, if you go to a recent uh, um, if you go to a recent arcade or a modern place like a Dave Buster's or whatever, you'll find games in there still that can't be done very well or at all like of today's technology. The, the really awesome Star Wars Battle Pod and immersive game, for example, uh, or Namco 4D game that actually has like a very like a, a virtual reality feel to it. So arcades have always been doing that uh, ever since they first came out. So uh, I give Street Fighter 2 a lot of credit for like for being a very successful arcade game and helping to, and maybe helping to kill old arcades, but certainly helping to keep them around or, or keep them around like for a while longer. I also got a audio, um, sorry, not an audio, a, te- a text submission uh, from friend of the show Daniel Miller, uh, who uh, responded to a plea I had on Facebook to send in some thoughts and submissions on the game. Uh, Daniel has to say this: I've got plenty of memories through Street Fighter Two. I do agree that it was a fantastic port with all the gameplay elements completely intact from the arcade. The soundtrack was awesome, and I would use not just the soundtrack to listen to the soundtrack, but deliberately set up a two-player match with no time limit so I could listen to the battle themes at the higher rates of speed. One unfortunate hindsight memory was that I didn't know the complete female anatomy at the age of 10. When I fought against Vega for the first time, all his voices sounded like a female. It was only, it was only, it was only when I won around against him with many many for the first time uh, found out he was a male character. I kid you not. Uh, my main character to play with was E. Honda and his hundred hand slap. I thought he looked so cool. Yeah, he does look cool, but it's a cheap move. <laughs> uh, going back to Daniel, and yes, I still know the down L, right R, Y, B after all those years, too. 
A great game on its own merits, even if, the, even if its sequels have eclipsed it, even if you know all this version intersees. Still amazing that a bug, which allowed combos by allowing moves to be cancelled into one another, completely changed how, how, how fighting games were played, to, were played to this day. Yeah, I don't know if we talked about it in the podcast briefly, but the game developers did mention that there was a bug in the game which allowed them to be able to put in the combo system that the game has, because the, the original plan was just to have simple combo moves, and then they discovered that because of the timing and the, the timing issues, that they that they that they could have multiple combos. So, uh, so like many other great game games in the past, they turned a bug into a feature. So, kudos to them like for doing that. Uh, thank you very much uh, for the two of you for sending in feedback to the show. I really, I really do, I really do appreciate it. Uh, if you would, if you'd like to send us feedback on the next game we're covering. Final Fantasy IV, please, please feel, free to, feel free to do so. You can either send me an email or audio submission to my email directly at the snespodcast at yahoo.com or contact me on the Facebook group. Thank you again, thank you again very much for listening to the podcast. Hope you enjoyed. Nintendo controls 80% of the video market. But no matter how you play the game or which game you play, Things definitely have come a long way since Pac-Man. Now you're playing with power. Deep of power.